All right, let's open up to Isaiah chapter number 30. Isaiah chapter 30. And we'll begin reading at verse number 8. Isaiah 30 and verse 8. Thought we'd start off the new year on a high note. I'm going to preach to you a sermon called Falling to Pieces. <laughs> Falling to Pieces. And by the grace of God, the point of this message is to avoid that, amen, but that's the title, Falling to Pieces, Isaiah 30 and verse number 8. And the prophet writes here, now go, this is of course the Lord commanding him to say this, now go, write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. How's that for biblical preservation? Right? People say, well, the original authors, they wrote it. We've lost the originals. We no longer have the Bible. When God told these men to write, he intended for us to have that same material 2,000, 3,000, 3,500 years later. Verse number 9, he says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. Can you folks see where I'm getting the idea of falling to pieces? You can see the wall of your life cracking under the pressure that's a breach and it's ready to just burst wide open and everything is in danger of falling to pieces verse 14 and it says he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces he shall not spare so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it assured to take fire from the hearth or to take water withal out of the pit. Not one little piece of pottery to do anything useful. In verse 15, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And then the saddest part of the passage, And ye would not. So if you would, let's bow our heads together. Let's ask God to help us as we go through this. Father, thank you so much for already speaking to our hearts. We had a, a great Bible study, Lord. Now we've heard solid testimonies of how you've worked recently in other areas. Father, we want to focus our attention now on what you have to say in this passage. Please fill me with your spirit. God, I don't want to do this alone. I can't do it alone. God, please help me. Use me. Speak to somebody today. Maybe everything around them is about to fall to pieces. God, would you, would you keep it all together? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some years ago, about 150 or 60 years ago, there was an American lady who wrote a story about a little Dutch boy. It's completely fictional. Most people think it actually happened. You can go to Holland. You can go throughout Europe, actually. Uh, even in America, they have made monuments about this story about this little Dutch boy that saved a village or a town. They were near the water and there was an embankment, a, a wall if you will, like a dam wall that was holding the water back from flooding a town. And this little boy, as the story goes, saw a crack in the wall. And in order to save the town, <clears throat> sorry, he rushed over to the wall and put his finger in the wall. Have you guys seen that before? He just rushed over there and there's, there's monuments of him with his finger in the wall. And he held, the story goes, he held his finger there, plugging the hole, and called for help, and called for the elders of the town, and, and alerted them of the danger, and the town was saved as a result of that. Now, <clears throat> that's completely fictional, guys. If you uh, stick your finger in a wall, it won't hold it up. 
That, that, that just won't work. <clears throat> it's a great piece of fiction, right? It's great storytelling. You know, do what you can. And I'm all for doing what you can. There was actually a, a, a true story that happened uh, in the Holland area. Somebody did see a breach in a wall. And the town, I think the mayor, the equivalent of a mayor, went and commandeered a ship, a boat. And he drove the boat up to the embankment, turned it sideways, and slammed the boat into the embankment to plug the hole. And then they, the a bunch of people came out with sandbags and filled in all the crevices and the cracks. And it actually did hold up and keep the, wall, uh, keep the uh, town from being flooded. So sometimes, sometimes you do what you can. But I think... I think there's a lot of us with our finger in that proverbial wall trying to keep our lives together, keep our jobs together, keep our marriages together, keep this nation together. And we got our finger in the wall and we're calling out for help and we're crying out because we know it's about to break up and, and fall to pieces. And I dare say having your finger in that wall is not going to fix it. You trying to fix it your way is going to end up in utter destruction. It's going to be a disaster. The whole thing, according to verse number 13, 14, in an instant, it's all going to fall to pieces. And the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him, trying to warn the nation of them trying to fix their own problems their own way. I'd like, before we get into verse 15, that's going to be the bulk of the message, I want to just walk you through what we already saw in the passage. Can you look with me again at verse number 9? In verse 9, he says here that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. You notice here he calls them lying children. The children of Israel, they are lying children. What lie were they telling? What did they say that was uh, deceitful? They might have cried out something like this, Oh God, Please, please, God, we worship you, we praise you, please help us. They were only, only saying that to get the help. They weren't worshiping God, they weren't really praising God, they were trying to say what was necessary so that God would come and stick his finger in the hole. They're lying. It says later on in Isaiah that they draw nigh unto God with their mouth, but their heart is far from him. They cry out and say, oh God, please help me. That's not really what they mean. Because God shows up and says, okay, you want some help? Here's how you fix that problem. Take your finger out of the wall. Let me plug that hole. Let me take care of it. But then we respond back to God, rebellious, and say, but no, 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 God, that's not the advice I wanted. Try plan B. Give me another plan, something that I'm comfortable to do. Lying children. You don't want help. You want somebody to tell you that your finger in the wall is going to fix it. He says in verse number nine, uh, 10, rather, I'm sorry, which say to the seers, see not. Now, seers is an old way of saying prophets. Which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. You know what I see here? They did not say, stop preaching. Did you notice that? They didn't say, stop preaching. They wanted the preacher to say something different. Give us a positive message. Tell us that everything's going to be great. Tell us that no matter what we do, God is going to keep blessing us. No matter what our attitude is, no matter how much we change or don't change, God's just going to make all the pain go away regardless. They wanted to hear smooth things. Tell us that we're right. Please don't show up with a message of rebuke. I think this is why YouTube is so popular these days. I think, I think the, the largest church in the world is the church of YouTube. <laughs> Amen? How many people go to church on YouTube and, and reject the local church? Why? Because they can't, there's not too many people bold enough to call the pastor the night before and say, Pastor, I'd really like a sermon on this. <laughs> You know, last week that was a bit rough and I got under too much conviction. Could you please tone it down a little bit? I don't think people are that bold, but it's so much easier to go on YouTube and just click and here's what I want to hear about. This is the guy that makes me feel the best. Prophesy unto us smooth things. It's not about what's right. It's about what's right for me. I like what Jim Lentz used to say. He was a 
fireball of a preacher. He had bright red hair. He was an ex-Marine, fought in Vietnam, rough guy. He, he preached like that. I can't, I can't even do it. My voice won't allow it anymore, but he'd preach. And he'd say, you're looking at me like, can you preach? And I'm looking at you like, can you take it? <laughs> There's something attractive about that style, I don't know, at least to me anyway. Brother Lindsay got up one time, he said, I know, I know, you want me to preach on heaven, but it's so hard to preach on heaven when you're living like hell. <laughs> Preacher, tell us what we want to hear. Tell us that the way we're living our life is going to keep it all together. Tell us that our finger in the wall is going to suffice. He says in verse number 11, get you out of the way. Now this is what the people are saying to the preacher. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path. Oh, this last statement, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Do you see what a, what a, a large responsibility it is for the preacher to get up and deliver the message. If he holds back from you what God wants you to hear, he can actually, now he doesn't, make God cease to exist. Make him to cease from before us. You can't get rid of God, but you can get rid of his presence in your life. And that's what they wanted. Being close to God put them under way too much conviction because they were unwilling to change. They said, preacher, get out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. You, preacher, get off of this old-fashioned path what is that old path? Can I, can I ask you to hold your place here? Get Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah 6. We'll only take a moment here. Jeremiah 6. Next book over in your Bible. Jeremiah 6 and verse number 14. Jeremiah 6 and verse 14. When you go back in the Bible, you'll find the first prophet is Enoch. You'll find Noah. He was a preacher of righteousness. You have Abraham mentioned as a prophet. You have Moses, Joshua, David. You have Micaiah. You have all these great prophets. You know what all of them have in common? All these men that we know to be men of God. When they stood up to preach, it was thus saith the Lord. It wasn't thus saith my opinion. It wasn't, uh, well, scholar so-and-so said this and Dr. Doodledigger said that. They got up and said, God said now that may be old-fashioned, that may be out of step with the modern time, that may not be the popular opinion, it's certainly not going to be politically correct, but it's right. It's right. And these Israelites at this time, these lying, rebellious children, they said, stop that old-fashioned nonsense, man. Update this message just a little bit. Well, what was the updated message they wanted? Jeremiah 6, verse 14, talking about false preachers. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. What were they doing? They were telling the people what they wanted to hear. In Jeremiah's day, you know what was happening? Everything was falling to pieces. Nebuchadnezzar was coming and carrying the Jews off into captivity. It was falling to pieces. And you know what those preachers stood up and said? Oh, don't worry. Listen, God, in a matter of, eh, let's say, two years, everything will be fine. God's going to bless. God has plans for you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, that you may have an expected end. That's when the triumphant music comes in in the back, you know, and they shoot off the, 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 the fire and the flames and brrr, a drum roll. And it, it makes you feel better temporarily. It heals the hurt slightly. You walk out of the church, all right, it's going to be fine. No, no, your finger's in the wall. It's going to fall to pieces if you don't get back to doing it the way God said to do it. Verse 15, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay. They were not at all ashamed Neither could they blush. They couldn't bring themselves to get a rosy cheek. They could not say, oh, shame on us. Look what we're doing. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Going to fall to pieces. Verse 16, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths 
Where is the good way? And walk therein. And ye shall find what? Rest for your souls. You know what we find starting off in 2019? We have a lot of people scared to death of what's going to happen this year. Whether it's personally, whether it's politically, publicly, whatever it is, scared to death, no peace in their soul. And God said, go find that old way and stand in that, walk in that. What's that old way? Thus saith the Lord. It says in Psalm 119, listen now, listen. Wherewithal shall a young man, we got any young men here today? Young men, there's some young men. I'm preaching to you now, young men. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? His way. God said, stand in that way. Seek out those old paths. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. God said, you want to find the right way? Get back in my book. Get back in my book. The Bible says in that same chapter, thy word, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my what? Path. There's the old path. There's the old path. Same chapter, a few verses later, says, Order my steps in thy word. Every step I take, I want it to be in line with what God has revealed in his word. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. I don't think... It is a strange thing that when somebody goes farther away from the Bible, they struggle more with sin. One preacher said it like this, You'll, this book will keep you from your sin or, this, or your sin will keep you from this book. The path that God wants you on is a path that lines up with his word. Come back to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number in verse 12, 13, 14, we've already read it. He talks about how everything is going to fall to pieces. In verse 12, he says, Thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this, what? Word. What's the problem? They took the Word of God and threw it out. So we'll figure this out on our own. Because ye despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon. They said, we'll fix it our way. We'll make threats. We'll pitch fits. We'll complain. We'll strike. We'll riot. We'll fix it our way. God said, because you're going to trust your way of doing it, it's all going to fall to pieces. A lot of times when a marriage begins to fail, you know what people do? They yell and scream at each other thinking that they are going to force their way onto their spouse. Doesn't usually work. Instead of sticking your finger in the hole in the wall, you just sit there and beat on it for a while. Not going to work. Say things aren't going good there at the job. My boss, I got a bad boss. So what do you do? You gossip behind his back. You steal and cheat. Say, well, I deserve it. He's not paying me right. You can fix it your way if you want, but I guarantee at the end it's going to fall to pieces. My studies aren't going so well. We got a few students already back in town. My studies aren't going well. I, I don't know if I'm going to pass my classes. Well, let me see if I can find some cheat notes. Let me see if I can uh, make the grade another way. You go, ahead and, you, you go ahead and try it your way for a while. You know how that's going to end up? Falling to pieces. Say so the government's not uh, looking too good. I don't know about these decisions they're going to be making in the near future. So what are we going to do? We'll complain. We'll fight. We'll start a war. You think you're going to preserve the wall that way? How about you get back to God's book and say, how do we fix it according to God? How, how would God have us to keep this thing from falling to pieces? In verse number 15, he says this. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. So I, I want to give you, there's four things in this verse. I'm going to walk you through them. The first thing he says, in returning. Well, returning to what? The problem is they despise the word. So I'm going to say, number one, you need to return to the Bible. Israel was meant to be a theocracy. That means a government run by God. But when, when God runs the government, what he does is he gives you his words and he says, now here's how you govern everything. He gave his words to Moses. Everything was fine while Moses 
enjoined or used those words to govern the nation. Moses died, Joshua used the Bible. Joshua died, what happened next? The judges show up. But every time a judge would die, you know what the people would do? Go back to their old ways of doing it, employ pagan practices, employ worldly methods, and you know what would happen? Every time the nation would fall to pieces until another judge showed up and said, guys, it's been 50 years, it's been 80 years, it's been 120 years, we have no God on us, we have no God near us because we forsook his word. God would use that judge, deliver the nation from that Gentile king, and that judge, as long as he would, was alive, he would make sure people followed the Bible. When that judge died, people go right back to their pagan ways. You know what happened eventually? Samuel showed up, the last judge. And the people came to Samuel and said, Phew, man, you're old. That might be true, but that was very rude, right? Samuel, you, dude, you're old. And, uh, you know, you're about to die, and your sons, they're not uh, very upstanding guys. You know, they do business on Sunday afternoons under the table, you know, that, that kind of thing, with a smile and a wink. They said, we, we, we're not uh, so keen on letting the nation be run by the Bible. Give us a king like all the other nations. We want to be like everyone else. Are you hearing me today? You might have a desire down in your heart, I just want to be like everybody else. Instead of doing it God's way and employing the Bible in every aspect of your life, let me just be like everyone else. That's what Israel said. And here's what God said to Samuel. Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. They said, we don't want a Bible to tell us what to do. We don't want to follow that law. That law came 400 some years ago. You know what happened? Right after Saul was inaugurated as king, things started to fall to pieces, didn't they? They started to go bad. David rises up. He's the new king. You know what, you know what David uses to run the nation? The Bible. Did you know that, was, that, was got, that got the nation back on its feet? Things started to go well. The nation began to prosper even into the days of Solomon. But as of the end of Solomon's life, he ends up with a thousand wives. He's down there doing business in Egypt. God told him not to do that. He throws the book out. You know what happened? 400 years later, Josiah, King Josiah has a priest come to him and say, look at what I found down there at the temple. I have found the book. For 400 years, they had gone on with their nation, no book. No Bible. God meant for that group of people to be governed by a book, and they had lost it. How many years has it been since you have submitted your life to, at the feet of the Bible? Say, God, I'll do it your way. You tell me, God, in your book, how to run my marriage, my job, my personal life, how to use my time, my money, my resources, my mind, my words, God, everything. Order my steps in thy word. Have you read the Bible? Some of you have been going to church for 20 years. Have you read the Bible? So I was raised as a Christian. Have you read the Bible? Say, so I love the Lord. Have you read what he said? How well do you know the biblical God if you have not yet read about him? So I come to church and you'll tell me about him. I can't have a personal relationship for you. <laughs> Hence the word personal. It was 400 years from David to Josiah, 400 years. You know how long ago it was when we had a reformation in this world where people said, we can't just let some man stand up and tell us what to believe. We need sola scriptura. We got to get back to the Bible alone, scripture alone. That was about 400 years ago. You know what we need now? We need some individual Christians to go, hey, looky there, I found the book. I'm going to start reading this every single day. I'm going to read it over and over so that I know what God says, what he expects, and I am going to let the Bible plug the hole in the wall. And maybe the Bible can keep everything from falling to pieces in my life. In these days in which we live, we get laughed at for believing the Bible exactly as it stands. 
Uh, you believe that God created the heaven and earth in six days? Yep, sure do. Sal, so, well, that's out of date. I've never heard anything that proved it wrong. You say, but what about, uh, what about evolution? And what about all these scientific theory? theories? Theories, theories, theories. I have eyewitness account. God was there. <laughs> he was there when it started. Say, you believe that there was a flood in Noah's day? Yep, sure do. There's scientific evidence for a flood. They don't like to publish that. They're not going to come out and tell you that. But I have good reason to believe literally what I read in this Bible. You say, that's not a very popular opinion. You're not going to be considered a, a very academic person, very smart. In whose eyes? Who are we trying to impress? Do I need the approval of the world in order to be right? I don't think that's how it works. I read a book recently. I bought a, a book by an author named Karen Armstrong. She's a very famous author, evidently. I've read a few of her books now. She used to be a Catholic nun. She since gave up on any sort of faith and has become, I would assume, an atheist by how she writes, maybe an agnostic at best. She wrote this. The, the book that I read was called The Bible. <laughs> she wrote, it was Bible, the biography. So I picked it up and thought, well, let's see what she has to say about where the Bible came from. It actually is a book about how people interpret the Bible. didn't really tell me much about the Bible. But she wrote this. She said, the Bible is in danger of becoming a dead or an irrelevant letter. It is being distorted by claims for its literal infallibility. So she said, we are killing the Bible by saying it means what it says. And, and, and yet... Every time, now this is my personal testimony, take it or leave it, every time I've employed it literally in my life and done exactly what it said, it works. <laughs> Applying it literally is doing just the opposite of what she said. It's not making it dead or irrelevant. You ignoring it and not opening this book, that's, that's making it dead to you, irrelevant in your life. You start opening this up and applying it literally and all of a sudden I think things might take a turn. You know, the problem is not the brains of these people. These intellectuals are very smart. It's not a, it's not a head issue, it's a heart issue. That, at the end of the, of the day, that's what it's about. It says in verse 15, return, returning, returning to the book and then it says, and rest. In returning and rest shall you be saved. So number one, you need to return to the book. Get back to the Bible. Start to read it. Read it privately. Read it with your family. Meditate on it day and night, as the Bible says. And then number two, rest on the promises. We sang that song a moment ago, standing on the promises of God. Once you start to read the Bible, then you're going to find out what God says about various situations, and you need to rest on what he said. Now, what do I mean by rest? Fully trust. Fully trust. Put all of your weight, all of your trust, your belief in that thing that God has said. Let me give you the opposite to hopefully help you understand what I mean by, by resting. Have you ever seen these game shows where somebody has to choose door number one, door number two, or door number three, and they don't know, they have no way of knowing what's behind those doors? And they stand there and say, okay, I, I, I choose uh, door number two. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh, door, 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 door three. No, 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 door one. And they can't make up their mind. Right? If you've never seen that, maybe you've seen a woman try to get dressed in the morning. <laughs> this dress, no, 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 no. This dress, and then this one. Just put something on. Just put something on. You're not naked. Let's go out. Let's go. We're done. This is what, this is the opposite of resting. Instead of looking at the options, saying this is the best option, I'm going to choose that, I'm going to go with that, I'm going to fully trust that this is the way to do it. We say, okay, there's God's way. Yeah, just in case that doesn't work, I want a backup plan and a backup plan. And I'm going I'm to try all these different ways instead of saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rest in you completely. I'm making a choice and I'm going to stick with it. None of this, today I'm a Christian. Today I'm going to read the Bible. But two days later, uh, that got boring. Now I'm on to door number two. Oh, that's not very popular. Nobody liked that dress. I'm on to door number three. You see, we just change our mind and change our mind, and we never rest. We never stand on the promises. We do what's expedient 
instead of what God said. I can remember some years ago when I was 15 years old, I was in the, the Catholic church. I was a good Catholic, good in that I practiced Catholic ways. I, I said my prayers every day. I prayed the rosary. I, I, uh, my dad read the Bible with me. Read the Catholic Bible the whole way through. Mom, Dad, have you read your Bible with your kids? My dad read the whole thing with me. We were good Catholics. My dad sprinkled holy water on me every day. Man, I was the cleanest kid around. <laughs> and, and there was a rule in the Catholic Church, you're not allowed to go to other churches, ever. If you do, you're going to burn. Now that's the way my dad told me the rule. I don't know if that's how it's written in their books, but that's how he told it to me. So, I, 15 years old, I had a girlfriend. She was a Baptist. And she invited me to a Baptist youth function at her big, big Southern Baptist church. I said, Dad, can I go? He said, sure, son, that, that'll be fine. But, but, don't forget now, the rule is you're not supposed to go. But I'll let you go as long as you don't listen to what they say. Just pay attention to the girl. Yes, sir. <laughs> like he had to say that, right? <laughs> So I went to this Baptist youth camp and I, I didn't pay attention to anything except the girl. But as I sat there through all the lessons, there was one word that kept popping up over and over again. The, the, the pastor kept saying, saved, saved, saved. And, and nothing else got through except saved, saved. So I got home after the camp and I, I called this Baptist youth pastor and I said, sir, what must I do to be saved? What does this mean, saved? I kept hearing that. Now, that Baptist youth pastor, bless his heart, he might have meant well, but what happened in the next 10 minutes wasn't, wasn't really good. He said, well, do you have a Bible there? I said, sure I do. I had a Catholic Bible there. And he said, well, look at this verse. Look at that verse. I don't know where the verses are. I'm on the other end of that phone. He says, find Romans, find Galatians. You got it? Yep, sure, whatever. I'm looking in the book of Judith. <laughs> it's a Catholic Bible, you know. I have no, I don't know what that is. He read a few verses and he says, do you understand? I said, well, I guess so. He said, okay, well then let's pray and you can get saved. I said, great. He prayed and told me I was saved. Guys, do you know that's not how it works? A pastor cannot pray for you and make you saved. Your mom and dad cannot pray for you and make you saved. It is a personal decision where you understand the gospel that Jesus died for your sins. He suffered in your place. He took your punishment. He was buried on the third day. He rose again. And you, after looking at all the options on how you can get to heaven and how you can have a relationship with God, you fully trust in what Jesus did. You rest in the finished work of Christ. That is salvation. That's not what that pastor explained to me. He prayed and said, now you're saved. I said, great. That was simple. That was a lot easier than I thought it would be. So we hung up the phone, and in my mind, I said, this is awesome. I've done it the Baptist way. I'm doing it the Catholic way. Either which way, I'm covered. I might go to heaven twice even. <laughs> so what's the problem? I wasn't fully trusting either side was I? I wasn't resting on either side. I was a little bit here, a little bit there. I don't know who's right. You need to open up that Bible, find out what God said, and then rest in it. Find out what God told you to do, and then fully trust that that, listen, that that is the best you can do. Don't take it that you got God, and then you got a backup plan, and a backup plan, and so on, and forever it goes. Listen, this works not only for the gospel. If you're not saved, you do need to fully trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, there's a verse that gets overlooked a lot in Isaiah. Isaiah said, I, even I, am the Lord. Beside me, there is no Savior. You know how many savior there, Saviors there are? One. You know what that means? You can't save yourself. Isn't that a simple thought? If you think that your good life is going to get you to heaven, that makes you a Savior. God said, there's only one, that's me. So if you're not fully trusting him, you're not saved. So let me ask you folks a question. 
How many of you this morning are fully trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Would you just slip your hand up real quick and put it right back down? Fully trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful. If you will trust Him with your eternal soul, why is it you won't trust Him with the day-to-day things? Why is it somebody can come to you, give you the gospel, this is how you have eternal life, this is how you can go to heaven, oh, praise God, I'll take that, yeah, yeah, let, let me receive that. Then when we come back to you and say, listen, you need to change the way you do things on a daily basis. You need to treat your wife different. You need to raise your kids different. You need to do your job different. You need to use your money different. And we go, oh, man, that's outdated. That's boring. That's not academic. That's not very scholarly. And all of a sudden, we begin to song and dance and get around it. If you're going to fully trust him with your soul, trust him in every single area. Look at the verse again. It says, in returning and rest shall you be saved. Saved not just eternally, but even on the daily stuff. In quietness, it says, and in confidence shall be your strength. He says in quietness. Here's the next part. Number one, return to the Bible. Number two, rest on the promises. Number three, relax. Relax. Here's what we like to do. I'll get back to the Bible. What does it say? Okay, good. I'll do that. Now we do it. And then once we've done what the Bible says about that situation, whatever it is, then we lay in bed at night worrying ourselves sick. Going, ooh, I hope that was okay. Ooh, I hope this works. Ooh, it is vain to sit up late, to rise up early, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. What are you worried about? If you did it God's way, that's as good as you can do it. Now you need to relax. Just be quiet. What if this happens? What if that happens? Listen, you did what God told you to do about it. You can't improve that. Rest on the promises and then relax. I gave you a lesson last Sunday night about stress, right? Do you remember that? Where I gave you a very simple procedure. When things go wrong, here's how you handle stress. You immediately start to pray and then you consider your options. Make a plan. So you guys can do that. Consider your options. Make a plan. Execute the plan. Pray some more. And then I told you to go fishing. I.e. Relax. <laughs> That's as much as you can do is to take what God said and do something about it. Then relax, calm down, quiet down. Wait, wait for God to work in that situation. You know, I find it an interesting combination in the Bible. There's sometimes it says wait on the Lord and sometimes it says patiently wait. Did you know there's a difference between waiting and patiently waiting? Have you ever stood in line at the road traffic office? You see, you will wait. Oh, you're going to wait. You might have another birthday. <laughs> you're going to wait. You renew the license and get back in line. <laughs> it, you might be there a while. But there's a difference between waiting and patiently waiting. I, I have learned over the years, Africa has been wonderful in teaching me this. I am not by nature a patient person, but Africa has made me a patient person. Patienter, if that's even an English word. Sitting at home affairs a few years ago before I had all of the permanent residency paperwork, and the line is long, the queue is going on forever, and the people behind the desk are dragging their feet, and you always wonder how it is that five employees can be drinking coffee, one is at the desk, and, and what are those five doing? Can't one of them help me? Poor me, please help me. I have better things to do with my life than to sit in line at home affairs and die. <laughs> you, you know it's bad because I'm sitting there waiting to register and, and the, the, the plaque above the desk is for birth or death certificates. <laughs> like I might need the latter <laughs> by the time I make it to the front. My last visit, I sat there and I said, okay, instead of waiting, I'm going to patiently wait. I'm going to make the most of this. What would God have me do with this time? Now, the old me would do this. I would look to the person on my left, say, can you believe this office? Can you believe how inefficient this place is? Do you know there's a hundred better ways to do what they're doing and I know all 100 of them? And then after I'm done 
griping to this person, I'll turn to this one and say, hey, did you know this place is horrible? This office is ridiculous. And then I would ruin their day. And then I would say it a little louder so that everybody around me is in a bad mood. Because misery loves company. That's how I would do it. That's me putting my finger in the wall. Bless God, I'll hold this wall together. I'm not going to lose my temper. This place is bad. (laughs) That's what your flesh would do. Now, what would God want you to do? You know what I did that day? I took out a bunch of gospel tracts because I carry gospel tracts everywhere I go. And I got up. I left my book in my seat because you know they'll steal your spot in line. I left my book in my seat. I told the person on the left and right, I'm coming right back, and I gave tracts to everybody in line. I thought, since they're going to be here for the next six hours, they need reading material. (laughs) Gave gospel tracts to everybody. Sat back down, opened up my Bible, started reading. Wow, did I have a lot of time to read my Bible. I knocked out about 30 chapters. I told you it was a long line. 30 chapters later, I said, my eyes are getting a bit tired. What could I do now? Hmm. I got a song in my heart. Let's just uh, let it come out my mouth as well. There's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. (laughs) What? (laughs) Constantly abiding seems appropriate in that line. (laughs) Right? Did you know by the end of that day I had people coming over and saying, Thank you for this tract? People all around me were smiling. People were nodding along. Did you know it, 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 it made their day just a little bit better? You say, Pastor, I've tried what the Bible says and, and you know, it didn't, it didn't all come together. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. You can have peace and rest in your soul knowing that you did the very best you could to make that thing work. And there's nothing more you can do. Relax. Just Relax. Say, but but Brother Mike, it says quietness. You mean I'm never supposed to complain? I'm never supposed to say anything? Well, complaining, no. There's really no use in that. Amen, Brother Mike. Praise God. Good preaching. Thank you. That really doesn't help. But is there a time to say something when you see things about to fall apart? Yes. Please hear what I say next. Whatever you do say in that circumstance... Make sure it's helpful. Rather than yelling and screaming and griping and complaining and stirring up trouble with your vitriolic words, how about you pray a little bit, read a little bit, say, God, what would you want me to say in this situation to make it better, to make it right? And once you've done that, relax. You did as good as you could. The last thing in the verse, it says, return, returning to the Bible. Rest on the promises. Quietness, relax, calm down. And then the last part, and in confidence shall be your strength. Return, rest, relax, rely. Have confidence in what you've employed, in what you've done, in obeying the Bible. Now, you say, this is very close to the resting on the promises. Yes, I agree. I'm resting on it. I fully trust it. I am relying on it. I'm not ashamed to tell you I'm going back to that point because the verse went back to it. (laughs) There's confidence, but that's where you're going to get your strength. You see, in the passage, these people ran down to Egypt. So what I want to do is just drive that thought home one more time. Guys, once you have put your faith in what God said, don't run back to Egypt and trust some other way. Just fully trust it. He says in verse 16, But ye said, No, for we will flee upon horses, therefore shall ye flee. And we will ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. It's just going to make it worse if you run out to the world and try to fix it their way. You know what God will give you? Verse 19, For the people that, uh, that shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And, thou, uh, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, problems are still happening, and the water of affliction, ye shall not, uh, I'm sorry, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers. Look, look at verse 21. 
and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. So Brother Mike, once I fully trust and take this step and start doing it God's way, man, now it's out of my hands and it's in his hands and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so good with trusting other people. I want to do it myself. As you go, he promised, I will continually lead you step by step, the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, here's the way, walk in it. You need to take a right, you need to take a left. He promised he'll be there. You run off to Egypt, don't expect to hear much of that. You put your trust in what God said, do it his way, he will be there the whole time so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Paul prayed three times, right? God, take this thorn out of my flesh. Did God take the thorn out? You know what Paul said? I rejoice in my infirmity. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know what Paul did? He said, God, since you're not going to take the problem away, I trust that your grace will be sufficient. And Paul was able to go through the rest of his life with that problem that never went away, but he never lost his joy. He had rest and peace in his soul because Paul didn't run back to his Egypt to try to fix things. He fully trusted that God's way was the best way. I want to close by reading with you verse 18. Would you please look at it with me? Verse 18. Say, I've tried to do it God's way and it didn't work immediately. Rest. Rely. Just because it didn't fix it immediately, don't run off to Egypt. In verse 18, he says, And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. God said, I got a plan in this. I'm waiting for a reason. That way you know you didn't fix it. I fixed it. That way I get exalted because I had mercy on you. You're going to learn something amazing about God if you'll just patiently wait for him to work. Just because it didn't get fixed immediately, don't run back to Egypt. Wait on God. Let's all stand if you would, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. There is no better way to do anything than God's way. And God's ways are found in this book. Do you read it? Caleb is going to play something quietly. Say, my life is falling to pieces. I don't know what to do. You have a promise from God that if you will do it His way, that He'll take every step with you. He'll guide you. He'll speak to you. But you're going to have to return, rest, relax, rely. You know what would be really great for some of you in 2019? Read the whole Bible. Some of you have enough time. You could read it by March. Amen. Read it by March. So why do I got to finish it by March? Because by, by the time you get to April, you'll need to start doing what you read. <laughs> Read it. Learn to trust it. Say, God, show me that old path so that I can walk in it. You know what this book will do? It'll change you. No longer will culture, skin color, language, society, political opinion no longer will that govern your life what did God say say so I don't understand it 
not reading it is not going to help that. If you don't understand it, ask. Read it some more. But return. Return to the book. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and we'll close. But I would like to ask if there's somebody here that is not fully trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, I'd like to pray for you. I asked earlier for people to raise their hand if they're saved. Many of you did, but some of you didn't. Would you be willing now to say, Preacher, pray for me. I, I don't know if I've ever been saved. I've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save my soul. W would you just slip your hand up? You can put it right back down. Anybody like that? Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for the honesty. Anybody else? Say, Preacher, pray for me. Thank you. Jesus died on that cross to pay for your sins. Now he said, in returning and rest, ye shall be saved. C come to the Lord Jesus and rest in the finished work of the cross. Say, Lord, I believe that what you did on the cross is enough to save me. I accept it. I receive you as my Savior. You can pray that right where you're at. Father, thank you this morning for speaking to our hearts. Lord, in a world that uh, does seem to be falling to pieces in so many ways, you've given us instructions on how to keep it all together. Lord, please soften our hearts, make us moldable, help us to conform to your image, to take what you said in your Bible seriously. Father, we're not interested in popular opinion. We're interested in yours, your opinion. And Father, I want to ask that you please help those people that raised their hands just now. Let them walk out of this, this building today knowing, fully trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Please, God, grab a hold of their hearts. Father, I thank you that when everything does get rough and we see the breach in the wall. Thank you for the guidance, for the grace, for your continued presence. You've never let us down, Lord. Thank you for being so faithful. Please bless the baptism to come, the service tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.